Hey, history enthusiasts, you get not one, but two events in history today. Heads up that you also might hear two different hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. With that said, on with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. And welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson, and it's September 3rd. The Whitestone Hill Massacre took place on this day in 1863. This massacre followed the U.S. Dakota War of 1862, and that war followed a whole series of unfair and exploitive treaties between the United States and the Dakota people. These treaties led to more than 6,000 Dakota living on a narrow strip of land south of the Dakota River. There was a massive food shortage in this area, and there was no game to hunt anywhere on that small strip of land that they were living on. So people were starving, especially because they weren't supposed to be hunting outside of this small piece of territory they'd been assigned to. And then on August 17th, 1862, four young Dakota men killed five white settlers. It's not clear what exactly happened here, but one of the stories is that it started with an argument over some stolen eggs that then escalated into real violence. This set off a huge war between the United States and the Dakota. More than 600 people were killed, and most of them were white civilians. Between 75 and 100 Dakota soldiers died, and more than 70 white soldiers And afterward, nearly 400 Dakota men were put on trial, and 38 of them were executed in a mass hanging on December 26th of 1862. Congress also revoked all the treaties between the United States and the Dakota, and the Dakota Expulsion Act made it illegal for the Dakota to be in Minnesota, which is where most of this had happened. The United States really wasn't satisfied that the hostilities were over. So even though the Dakota had already been forced out of Minnesota and into Dakota territory, two expeditions were mounted to try to hunt down any survivors. On September 3rd, 1863, 300 men led by Colonel Albert E. House found a large group of Native people encamped at Whitestone Hill. Some of these people were refugees from the Dakota War, but none of them had had anything to do with the fighting. This was basically a group of people who weren't involved. It was a large, multi-tribal gathering that was preparing for winter. So they were hunting and they were drying bison meat. They had thousands of pounds of bison meat that was drying on racks that was their food stores for the winter. About half of the adult men were away hunting when the army found this encampment. After about three hours of negotiations between the indigenous people and the military, a force led by General Alfred Selly charged into the middle of this gathering. Most of the people killed in the first assault were women, children, and elderly men. Cavalry and artillery ran down the people who tried to flee. Estimates range from between 100 and 400 Native Americans killed and almost 150 surrendered. Most of the roughly 20 fatalities among the U.S. Army were people who had been caught in crossfire. Afterward, under Sully's command, the Army gathered everything that was useful and they burned it, including all of that meat that was being dried for winter. In the words of soldier F.E. Caldwell, quote, 
Selly ordered all the property destroyed, teepees, buffalo skins, and all their things, including tons and tons of dried buffalo meat and tallow. It was gathered in wagons, piled in a hollow, and burned. And the melted tallow ran down into the valley into a stream. Hatchets, camp kettles, and all things that would sink were thrown into a small lake. The people who escaped were round up the next day and taken to a POW camp. In the immediate aftermath of this, Sully and his men described the event as a huge success, a necessary coda to the Dakota War, getting rid of the people who had been among the belligerents. This may have been influenced by the fact that a lot of them had family members who had died in the war, and so they had treated this as something of an act of revenge. But it was immediately clear to other people that this shouldn't be framed as a successful military campaign. In November of 1863, Sam Brown, who was working as an interpreter at the POW camp, wrote a letter to his father in which he said, quote, I hope you will not believe all that is said of Sully's successful expedition against the Sioux. I don't think he ought to brag of it at all, because it was what no decent man would have done, pitched into their camp and just slaughtered them. You can learn more about this in the November 23rd, 2016 episode of Stuff You Missed in History class called The Dakota War of 1862 and the Whitestone Hill Massacre. Thanks to Tari Harrison for all of her audio work on this podcast. You can subscribe to this day in history class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Tune in tomorrow for the end of a riot. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we learn a smidgen of history every day. The day was September 3rd, 1967. Traffic in Sweden switched from being on the left side of the road to the right side of the road. The day is officially known as Hagertrafikkomlagenigen, or the right-hand traffic diversion. It's also called Dagenhoa, or H-Day for short. The change caused some disruption, but not much, since Sweden had been preparing for the switch for a while. Most countries in the region drove on the right side of the road, though some European countries like Ireland, Britain, and Iceland stuck to driving on the left side. Many of Britain's former territories still drive on the left as well. Left side driving can be traced back to ancient Rome. It's not clear why ancient Romans traveled on the left, but it could have been so they could use their weapons with their right hand when someone approached. The practice of staying on the left side of the road continued into medieval Europe. But by the 19th century, the United States, Canada, France, and Germany had adopted the keep right rule. More European countries standardized driving on the right side throughout the 20th century. That became an issue for Swedish drivers, since imported and Swedish-made cars had steering on the left side. In places that have right-hand side regulations, drivers sit on the left-hand side. That way, drivers can see past the vehicle in front of them. But passing a car in Sweden was difficult and dangerous, since drivers sat and drove on the left side. This awkward setup led to many head-on collisions on two-lane highways as drivers ventured into oncoming traffic to pass a vehicle. 
Also, people from nearby countries like Denmark, Norway, and Finland were used to driving on the right side. So they often got in accidents when they visited Sweden because of the confusion. So the Swedish government decided to take the issue of whether Sweden should switch to right-hand side driving to a vote. In a 1955 referendum, 83% of people opposed the switch. But by 1967, there were a lot more vehicles on the road and safety was a concern. The government decided to go forth with the change anyway. They started a whole campaign to make the transition smooth. They created signs and stickers with the logo for the transition. The logo was an H with an arrow going from the left side to the right side of the letter. Beneath the H was the planned date for the switch, September 3rd, 1967. The government put out pamphlets, PSAs, and products that marketed the switch. A song about H-Day hit number five on Swedish music charts. In addition to the public relations campaign, Sweden had to go through major infrastructure changes. Signs had to be reversed, intersections and one-way streets had to be dealt with, and bus stops had to be moved. In the days leading up to HJ, the new system was explained on TV, on the radio, and in newspapers. On the morning of the change, all non-essential traffic was ordered to stay off the roads. At 4.50 in the morning, the phrase, now is the time to change over, was announced over loudspeakers. The entire project cost about 628 million kronor, or 2.6 billion kronor in 2018, the equivalent of 316 million US dollars. On the Monday after H-Day, slightly fewer traffic accidents than average were reported. The number of motor insurance claims went down, but this improvement was likely due to safer than normal driving. By 1969, accident and fatality rates had gone back up. Since H-Day, other nations have changed what side of the road they drive on to. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you feel like correcting my pronunciation or my accent on anything that I've said in the show, feel free to leave a very kind comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Thanks for showing up. We'll meet here again tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.